Welcome to Mission Revive, a podcast dedicated to hope and healing through God's transforming love, where your hosts, anchored in truth and armed with faith, are changing the world and reviving hearts with Jesus, one conversation at a time. Hi, welcome to this episode of the Mission Revive podcast. I'm Bob Newberry, and I'm a board member of Revive Hope and Healing Ministries, a collection of Catholic apostolates impelled by the Holy Spirit. My partner for today's podcast, as always, is Ann Costa, founder and executive director of Revive Hope and Healing Ministries. Welcome, Ann. Thank you, Bob, oh, and welcome, everybody. Yes. It's good to be here. We have our, our returning guest, um, yes. Sharon Flam, again with us uh, for our um Theology of the Body Thursdays is what we're yes. starting to call this series, which is so critical for our times. I'd like to introduce Sharon again. She worked for the Diocese of Syracuse as a chastity and theology of the body educator for a number of years. She has presented these topics many times to youth and um, adults in parishes and schools. Sharon did receive a bachelor's degree in psychology from Stony Brook University and a master's degree in education from Syracuse University. She is a graduate of the Theology of the Body Institute and has received certification through the Institute. Sharon has been married to her husband, Jack, for 22 years and has three stepchildren. And I think you have grandchildren too, Sharon. Come on and join us. Do you not? Yes, I do. We have one granddaughter. Awesome. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, that's, Welcome that's awesome. again. Thank yeah. you. Great to be here. Thanks. Yeah. You know, we uh, usually when we do a, a podcast, it's kind of one and done, right? Um, uh, and uh, and Sharon, you're, you're brave and courageous enough to <laughs> hang in there for a series. And, and um, I, I I really, I know I appreciate it. And I, I think I speak for, for Ann and Patty and, and our board of directors. Uh, this is really quite a, quite a topic, you know, and, and um, we, um, in our last session, uh, we, we, we went through over an overview of eight modules uh, of a theology of the body program that, that you really put together as part of your certification process, correct? That's right. And, and you, you've offered that, you've gotten feedback on it. And, um, uh, and that was great. And, and um, if it's okay with you, we're going to dive into uh, module number, well, we, we touched on module number two, last time around briefly, but uh, uh, we're going to kind of revisit that a little bit. And, and uh, if time allows, uh, um, keep moving on through into module number three. How's that sound? Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, and you, you want to say anything is, is before we uh, dive into the meat of everything or? Well, I just assume get, get started. This material okay. is going to be helpful for who? Parents, grandparents, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I thought, um, you know, as I reflect on, on this topic and our conversation, um, uh, Sharon, you, you talked about uh, an, an anthropology of uh, the human being. And that was a phrase that John Paul II utilized. Is that correct? Yes, that is. Yes. And I, and I wonder if, if that, 
uh, for me, that that might be a good place to start. How would uh, what was John Paul II's understanding of of uh, this uh, anthropology of of the human being and and the construct of of the the theology of the body? Well, um, he called it an adequate anthropology. Um, anthropology being the study of the human person. And he, I think he believed that in order for us to understand ourselves, um, to understand ourselves and our relationships with others, um, and particularly to understand the meaning and purpose of what it means to be a male or female, uh, and the meaning of our body, the human body in itself as a unity or a spiritualized body, we're body and soul, to understand all this and to, to know how to see ourselves now as our experience now is this person's versus what God's original plan was for us. And so his purpose was to go back and reflect very extensively on sacred scripture, the Bible, looking beginning in the beginning in Genesis, the creation accounts of God creating us uh, as male and female and how beautiful it was. And then doing that, go further to uh, what happened at an original sin when they committed original sin. And then to go beyond that is what are our, our relationships now? And what can we learn from that? Um, and again, further, you know, how God, uh, Jesus came and redeemed us and the hope that we have in our lives now by embracing God's love um, and applying that in our relationships, but not only for our lives now, but for our future destiny, which is heaven, you know, and how that our relationships, um, are played out in that way and, and how we, we can look hopeful to the future, not only with ourselves, but within our family and our relationships. So that's where he begins. He goes way back in Genesis. And that's where the beginning, where I start with my um, program, Your his program. reflections on Genesis. Yes. Well, let me, uh, let me share a thought with you, okay? And get your, get your reaction. So um, would it be safe to say then that in doing these, uh, these many presentations over a period of years, uh, during his papacy, John Paul explored this, uh, what's come to be termed the theology of the body, uh, really exploring uh, scripture uh, and a biblical understanding of a theology of the body. Right. That, okay. So as, as I, as, so is what we're, what we're reviewing is not so much his opinion as his understanding of biblical wisdom and truth right he was very focused on truth you know okay. first of all god is truth yeah and, and what love is so um so uh, i would i approach this as um um coming to an understanding about something as uh as truthful as uh what gravity is you know if if i um if i uh try to defy gravity and I've done that at various times in my life, it usually ends up to be a very painful experience. <laughs> I, I remember learning how to ride a bike and teaching the kids how to ride a bike, teaching the grandchildren how to ride a bike, you know? Um, and to defy uh, gravity is, uh, is, is just not a pleasant experience. And, and so I, I, I think, uh, I guess my, my first question today would be, uh, would, would it, is it fair to say that uh, as we delve into the meat of theology of the body, we're, we're not talking about opinions, we're talking about biblical wisdom and truth. Um, 
Is that a, is that a good way to, to look at what we're talking about? Um, yes, well, being a Pope, you know, Pope St. John Paul II, he was grounded in Catholic teaching and our Catholic teaching uh, and faith goes away back to the apostles and what they received from Jesus. Yeah. And so with all his wealth of knowledge and, and theology and understanding, not only of our Catholic faith, but also his experience with people, you know, um, as a priest, you know, and, and all the way up to the Pope, he, he was very much in tuned with understanding relationships, you know, counseling couples and married right. couples. And right. so that, that all that wealth of experience played in his understanding as he developed theology of the body, but most extensively theology of the body started, he started with looking at scripture and he analyzing it and reflecting yeah. on it very deeply in front of the blessed sacrament. Um, yeah. A lot of times coming through these beautiful thoughts that he had. Okay. You know, can well, I just interject here for a minute? Oh, because please. I'm thinking about when you said, um, you know, the effect of gravity, which is, um, you know, we don't often think about this, but we are, we are, we're temporal. We're in a temporal world. We're in a physical world. We're in a natural world that God created with certain laws and certain truths about it certain principles that are unchanging, right? Who we are is unchanging, what, who we are physically and our, the matter. I mean, he created every single cell of our bodies, right? And when we're physical, but we're, like you said, Sharon, we're physical and spiritual. We're one, our souls and bodies are one. So what we do to our souls, we do to our bodies. What we do to our bodies, we do to our souls. So it, it stands to reason, I mean, he was so prophetic because um, of the of what's going on, the salt of the human body, what, what we're doing to exploitation of of our humanness, of our bodies, and thinking that that doesn't matter when it clearly does matter how we're made and who we are and the physicalness of who we are. Mm -hmm. That is not disconnected from our minds, from our spirits, our souls. How prophetic that he was helping us to truly understand that at this time yeah. in our time when there's so much confusion yeah. around that. Yeah. Yes, right. How about if we uh, um, can we can we start with uh, the concept of original solitude? Uh, that's uh, from your second module. Can you can you can we walk down through some of these concepts with a little more depth than uh, than was afforded them in our last get together and and. And, and learn what they have to offer us. Sure. Um, yes, uh, John Paul II reflected on the second creation account, Genesis 2. As I mentioned, he goes right back to the beginning. And to try to explain in depth what he called the original experiences of man and woman, the first couple, during their state of original innocence, um, before they committed original sin. So original solitude was the very first of these original experiences. And what that means is that the man is alone in the world as a person. So John Paul II refers to Genesis chapter two, verse seven. The Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And so man became a living being. So God created the first man as a body united with a soul, that spirit. And the man participated in the inner life of God in his holiness. And he was created in the image of God. And so he has this unique and uh, unrepeatable relationship of love with God. And most importantly, he's receiving God's love as a gift and loving God in return. 
imaging that like what's happening in the Trinity, the giving and receiving of love between the divine persons. So then God places the man Adam in the Garden of Eden and told him not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he will die. So God has also given him a free will to choose. And then we read also in Genesis chapter 2, 18, we read, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a suitable partner for him. So the man realizes that he's alone in the world as a person. As you remember, God brings all the animals to him and he an animus asked to name all the animals and gives them gives them the names and he realizes his body when he looks at the animals he realizes his body is different his body expresses himself as a person and he can determine his own actions so and and in addition to that he knows he's superior to the animals because God's asking him to cultivate the, the ground so this original solitude, um, again, man realizes he's alone in the world as a person. And, but then God says it's not good for him to be alone. So he puts Adam into a profound sleep and creates the woman from the man's rib and brings her to him. So the man says, this one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman for out of her man, this one has been taken. So this man now is filled with joy at seeing Adam is filled with joy seeing Eve and welcomes her as a help similar to himself. So even though he was originally in solitude before God, now that original solitude is now carried to a next stage of experience, which we call original unity. So they're both uh, alone in the world as persons. So that pretty much is a little nutshell of what original solitude is. Okay. And so we'll move along and, and uh, we begin talking about a communion of persons. Um, what's, uh, what's meant by, by that phrase? Well, um, the communion of persons, um, first of all, I can quote from our Catholic catechism, uh, means the man and woman were made for each other. Uh, not that God left them half made and incomplete. He created them to be a communion of persons in which each can be a helpmate to the other for they are equal as persons and complementary as masculine and feminine. So when John Paul II says this communion person and in our Catholic basis, it, it means that we were, we are a gift for another and each are a gift for a mutual gift for each other. So Adam and Eve were a mutual gift for each other, um, giving and receiving love. And so um, in this gift, you see each other as unique and unrepeatable as a person. It's, so um continue on uh, uh god's view of marriage um well first of all john paul ii in our, our catholic faith looks at scripture and even um jesus confirms what marriage is when he is speaking to the pharisees about marriage um and he says have you not read that from the beginning the creator made them male and female for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So Jesus is quoting, um, going back to the beginning. Again, that's what John Paul II does. He uses Christ's words in um, scripture to say, this is what marriage is. This is what God instituted marriage as a union of a man and a woman. And then Jesus is confirming it um, uh, later on in the New Testament. So it's really that one flesh union that, that uh, Genesis chapter 2, 24, 
24, where the man leaves his father, mother, and joins his wife, that refers basically the one flesh union refers to the conjugal act, the joining of their bodies, that intimate marital joining of their bodies, which also makes them a communion of persons. They're giving and receiving that total gift of each other, their bodies, but also their souls, their spirits to each other. I think um, uh, when some of my first reading of, of material from Christopher West, who, uh, how would you describe Christopher West? He was very much involved in the institute you attended, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. A great theologian. Yes, yeah. Yes, I highly uh, recommend his courses. <laughs> uh, yes, and, and lots of writing out there and so forth. And I, and I, I think uh, what I, what's most memorable to me when I, uh, he was discussing the, uh, the importance of Genesis and John Paul's um, beginning thinking on, on theology of the body. And he talked about uh, original nakedness uh, and uh, the, 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 the beauty of that and the, uh, the absence of shame. Uh, and I, uh, that, that, that was very, very striking to me. Could, could you talk a little bit about original nakedness in the context of this relationship? Um, yes, first of all, when you think back on what uh, talked about in the creation account, that God created the world and he created man. And obviously, um, as humans, we're the crown of creation. And he, it says in scripture, everything he created was very good. So God created them and man and, man and woman were naked. So in their nakedness, they were very good. They were holy in their nakedness. And they saw, looking at their nakedness, that beauty of the other person. Um, so John Paul II actually refers to this when he, he looks at this line, Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 25. The man and his wife were both naked, yet they felt no shame. And he's he, this is what he's calling original nakedness. So first of all, both of Adam and Eve, the first couple, were filled with God's love. They were receiving God's love and loving God back, you know, and they, their hearts were pure and they were holy and they saw in their naked bodies, God's plan for love. They desired only to love each other like God loves. God's love is freely given to them and totally given to them. And they felt that they, um, their experience was to, to share this free, free and total gift of themselves with each other. And they did this through their femininity and masculinity of their bodies that mutual gift for each other. And this was what made them so happy, this relationship with each other, this ha happiness with uh, themselves and with God. And the idea that there was no shame in their relationship meant that there was no fear of being used or seen by the other as an object rather than as a person. So they didn't look at the, the other person's body as something to take, but more like to give and that body expressed a person not an object. This was a person they were looking at and loving, not as somebody I can take from and use merely for my own pleasure. Or fear of being used. Or fear right? of being used, right. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I expect. Yeah. 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 Well, so man, do is, we is... carry, but we carry that shame now, right? Yes. I mean, we have those fears, whether we want to acknowledge them or not. Um, we have that now because of the original sin, right? Right, right. And, and the next and God's plan is to redeem that, but that we, you know, 
there is a natural there is a per, there is a bit of that in us always right yes because of original sin because um they detached themselves from god's love god the father's love so when they turn their backs on god the father's love and followed their own will again we could we'll be talking about that in the next segment about original sin but because they detached their hearts turned their backs separated themselves from that love they were receiving from God the Father, then they open themselves only to the world and to grasping for what they wanted, seeking their own happiness by grasping for it instead of, of receiving it from God and being filled with God's love in order to be able to share that love with others. So, so that's the longing in us, right? I mean, we still yeah. have that memory of that longing too, right? That memory of that union is still within us too, right? Yes, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, John Paul said that's a basis of our regular experiences now, even though we can't go back to whatever that experience was with Adam and Eve, that harmony and happiness and beauty and all that unity between themselves and themselves and God and unity between themselves and the world. We can't really go back to that particular state, um, but we can see it and, and learn from that. Um, yeah, know that we came from that. Know that that yes. is what God's plan for us is to be again, right? Right, right. And Jesus helps us that in that way, you know, um, by redeeming us and giving us the grace and and ourselves. Uh, again, I, I talk about this a little further in, in the, the program and the course, um, opening ourselves to God's love, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the divine, because through opening ourselves and asking for god's help through the holy spirit um that divine love we can share that love that love that we can't do on our own you know we love in a certain limited way but we need to love in a higher way you know a more self-giving yeah. generous love and yeah. that comes from being opening to open to god i would uh, for me uh, uh, my takeaway is uh it offers a frame of reference for me in um kind of assessing the the relationship, my marital relationship, um, but also the degree to which there's an absence of shame or diminished amount of shame uh, is the degree to which uh, uh, my relationship is blessed and 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 I've been open to the grace of of, of our Lord. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, I, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Sure. I and what you're saying too about in marriage, when there is that love, I mean, it, when you're referring back to um, what you said about uh, Christopher West, he gave an example. He said, the shame that's experienced, for instance, um, just say a woman's in the shower and she steps out of the shower and this man comes walking into her bathroom who she doesn't know who this man is. She immediately grabs a towel and wraps it around herself to protect herself. Yes. So that's that essence. But if it's her husband, it's different because, you know, there's that love already there, that bond of love. And he'll look at her, hopefully in a way that is respectful of her nakedness. Yes. Um, I just think this is outstanding stuff, you know, uh, so much uh, wisdom and insight to be gained from that. Um, okay, so uh, so where are we now here? <laughs> When we're talking about the body, one of the things that, that John Paul II um, was very important, in fact, was what he called the spousal meaning of the body. 
Mm -hmm. And um, he, I'll, I'll quote from his uh, audience that he, he wrote in, in uh, Man and Woman, he created him. He said, the spousal meaning of the body is the, po the, the power to express love, precisely that love in which the human person becomes a gift. And through this gift, fulfills the very meaning of his being and existence. So Adam and Eve understood that, um, the meaning of their bodies. Um, because Adam's naked body didn't make sense by itself. But and Eve's naked body didn't make sense by itself. But seen together, they knew they were made for each other and to be a gift for each other. So the spousal meaning of the body is, is, is how do I express um, love through my body? Uh, and, and when I am self-giving using my body, um, that's where everyone has it. The human body has that meaning for everyone. How do I yeah. be a gift yeah. through my body? Yeah. I, uh, I remember years ago being told that marriage is a 50-50 proposition. And, and what I've observed over the years uh, uh, with others and myself is that you know, it's closer to a 100-100 proposition. <laughs> Should you be, know? yeah. 50-50 <laughs> uh, is uh, what can I get out of it? And, and uh, um, but uh, 100, well, 100 really recognizes a gift of the relationship and, and, and the sanctity of the marriage. Um, procreation, talk about procreation. Um, again, uh, John Paul II points out God's intention for the union of man and woman. And he refers to scripture again, and he goes to Genesis um, chapter one, verse 28, which says, God blessed them saying, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So Adam and Eve not only could express their love through their bodies, they could also bring another human life into the world. And so they were aware of the generative meaning of their bodies. They knew their masculinity and femininity were ordered to an end, um, procreation, bringing new life into the world. And that's even what, if you go further, um, Genesis chapter four, one, it says the man had relations with his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. So they, it's not that they bring a new life into the world. They co cooperate with God and bringing a new life into the world. And God gives them that soul, the soul to that new person. Yeah. So and our Catholic, yeah, go, go ahead. Continue. What were you going to say? Well, I was just saying that's what our Catholic church teaches as well, is that that conjugal act is meant to be unitive, strengthening the love and union between man and woman in marriage and also procreative. Yeah. loving and life-giving. And what I used to say with the young people when I was teaching the teens is that, and I picked this up, I believe from maybe Jason Everett, who's a, a chastity speaker. He used to say it's, it's bonding and babies, a good way to remember it. And that's what God's intention was for that union of man and woman. Um, and this, this um, spiritually means it's almost like you're imaging the life-giving love of the Trinity. It's, it's, you know, we're getting to the, uh, to the end of the session, but I, I wanted, um, I, I particularly enjoyed two discussion questions you had at the end of your, uh, of this module. Can we touch on these before we, uh, before we close sure. for today? Is that okay? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, first question was, what are some ways that you show love to your spouse, children, or others through your body? Um, 
what uh, what would you how would you answer that? What are some of the answers that you've gotten in uh, from people that you've uh, engaged with over these over these ideas? Um, well, one of the things is is um, just very practical things, smiling. You know, when you use your your smile, it it, it brings joy and it, and it, um, love to another person, and without even saying a word. And that's you know, sort of like the language of the body, as John Paul II says, we communicate with others without even saying a word sometimes. Um, and with your spouse, you know, uh, lending that helping hand when needed. You know, uh, being attentive, listening, uh, using your arms to hug your kids. All those different, wonderful, beautiful things that are acts of kindness. Uh, we teach our children what we do with our bodies to show show others that we care about them. Yeah. I invite you too. I, I know that you both, you know, could answer that question just as easily as, as how do you show love to your to others? Any thoughts? I was just thinking about myself when usually as soon as I walk into my grandchildren's house and I sit down, they immediately pile onto my lap. It's just like, it's like glue. It's just like, and they call me the grandma mountain because they, 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 they climb all over me. Well, and I'm like, and I do, I do let that, that happen. Yeah. You've, you've earned that, huh? Yeah, yes. I do. But I, I mean, I'm showing them, I, I, I just made me think of it as you said that I'm just showing them that I'm, I'm present. I'm, I'm there for them. I, yeah. I, I, I love them. I embrace them. Yeah. 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 How about question number two? How can we encourage our children to use their bodies for the good of others? Well, I know just, uh, you know, helping them to learn how to do chores, you know, giving them sense of responsibility and, and purpose and knowing that they're helping out in the family. They're doing things for other members of the family. Yeah. Um, opening the door for Nana. You know, if she's bringing in yeah. groceries or she's visiting someday and she's got all these gifts in her hands that she wants to give to her grandkids, you know, yeah. Yeah. they'll open the door for Nana. And then, of course, then they'll jump on her lap, right? <laughs> on the mountain. Yeah. Right. Mountain of love. Um, do you have any other thoughts or ideas, too, Bob or Dan? Um, well, they have to learn how to use their bodies. I know that much. This is what we're trying to teach right now, you yeah. know, think, because right I, from the very beginning, the boundaries and and you can't wrap your arm around your brother's neck and give him a hug. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, the, yeah. The exam you're in in the primary way of teaching is the example you provide, right? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. That uh, that's huge. That's huge. Well, Sharon, thank you so much. Okay, oh, it's always a pleasure um, being with you both. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And um, uh, I mean, this is all upbeat, healthy, happy stuff. And I know the next module, uh, uh, we're going to talk about stuff after we crash and burn, right? Uh, orig <laughs> original sin and, and things like that, you know? So uh, I look forward to that. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you both. And anything you want to add be before Thank we you, wind Sarah. down? Looking okay. forward to the next one. Thank okay. you. Thank you. We are grateful that you joined us today for another episode of the Mission Revive podcast. We humbly ask for your prayers as we continue in the mission entrusted to us to evangelize and revive hearts with Jesus. We would also ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor of this podcast 
or making a financial contribution to support this growing ministry. You can do this by visiting our website at revivehopeandhealing.com or through our Revive Hope and Healing Ministries patron page. We cannot do this without you. Thank you.